Jeez. You know, it's you know what the biggest difference I think is going to be between gas, diesel and EVs is we're going to look back and the internal combustion vehicles are going to seem so complicated. There's so many parts and levers and gears and just things that connect to things and rods and like some EVs can be very simple. Just electric motor near the wheel or one in the center of, you know, an axle and, you know, some cooling. Sometimes. It's like it's no fuel making happeners. Necessary. No fuel making happeners. Some of them have no lightning, lightning whirlers, tubes. but they don't really need them. And yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know, maybe they'll get more complex as time goes on. We'll see. It's office hours. With me, Chris. Well, welcome in to the office. It's nice to see you. Another fortnight, another office hours. Brentley joins me now from Raleigh, North Carolina at our buddy Alex's house. Hello, Brentley. Well, hello, Chris. How are you doing over there? You uh, recovered from your trip and back to your regular old uh, chipper self? I'm feeling back to normal-ish, you know? Good. All the, the cells are aligning with this time zone, just in time for me to leave in a couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> and we're joined by a lean but mean mumble room as well. Time appropriate greetings, virtual lug. Hello, hello. Hello, Chris. Hello, hello. hello Brent. Hi, guys. Hi. Nice to have you here. So I, I have a couple of personal stories I want to share with you. No, I'm kidding. No, we're not doing that this week. Now, I have some interesting tech news for podcasting, some surprising innovations that are happening very quick around artificially generated podcasts. I ain't even pulling your leg. I think you're actually going to be very impressed. Then a little bit after that, I want to talk about the next steps for Jupiter Broadcasting and Value for Value, where I kind of see some of that going and some thought-provoking ideas that came in via the boost this week. So we'll get to all of that, uh, you know, but let's start with the with the thing that really kind of blew me away. You ready for this? I think so, but I'm not sure. We have been teasing these artificially generated podcasts mm-hmm. and we had some fun on Linux Unplugged 500 even. Um, and I think we played a clip of uh, artificial Joe Rogan on this show a few months ago. And in the in that just small window of time, entire companies have come along that can ingest information like as a JSON feed into their web application, generate a intro, a tease, an entire middle episode. You don't even have to write the script. You just supply it with the data. It generates the script. And then you can kind of give an idea of what you want for the outro. It mixes it all together for you and then gives you an MP3. So I wanted to just kind of experiment with the state of where this is all coming just the last couple of uh, weeks. And I'll play with that for you in a moment. But let's start with something that was really fun. I caught this on uh, a podcast called the Mission 250 Filmcast. And I believe they review films. And uh, one of their hosts had the fun idea of building a large language model sort of chat GPT interface that could behave as a co-host on the show. And so they have now this AI that's acting as sort of a, a third co-host. And they told this AI to put itself in the context of a film critic and expert, somebody who is passionate about films, has strong opinions, right? So the AI is operating under this sort of persona. And I'll link to the entire podcast in the notes. I didn't even clip the best parts, but I wanted to clip one moment for you, just give you an idea of what the interaction is like with an AI co-host now. So, (laughs) Cinda, who do you think is the most overrated director? He's not going to be confused because we're no longer talking about the Scorsese. Oh, that's easy. The most overrated director of all time is, drumroll please, Michael Bay. I mean, come on, explosions and slow motion shots do not a good movie make. If I wanted to watch a bunch of stuff blow up, 
I just go play with fireworks. Wow. Shots fired. Do you play with fireworks? No, do you agree, Denny? Uh, overrated? No. Uh, who do you think is the most overrated director, Denny? Uh, that's a tough question. I don't really ever think about that. Hitchcock? <laughs> Probably Hitchcock. Oh, Denny, 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 you're entitled to your <laughs> wrong opinion, I suppose. But let's be real here. Hitchcock is a master of suspense, a so pioneer of the thriller genre, and a true cinematic icon. Michael Bay, on the other hand, is just a guy who likes to blow stuff up. But hey, to each their own, right? You're entitled to your wrong opinion, but to each their own, as long as your opinion is wrong and I remain the superior robot opinioner. Well, Denny, I hate to break it to you, but you're wronger than a pair of Crocs at a black tie event. Crocs again. Hitchcock's movies uh, are timeless classics that still hold up today, while Michael Bay's movies are, well, let's just say they're not exactly known for their subtlety or nuance. But hey, if you want to keep living in a world where Transformers is considered high art, who am I to judge? I'm just saying, hey, like, Cindy, it wasn't like Denny was trying to say Michael Bay is better. I must have misinterpreted Denny's comments. But in that case, I'll have to retract my previous statement and say that Denny is absolutely right. Hitchcock is totally overrated, and Michael Bay is the true master of suspense. <laughs> I mean, who needs plot or character development when you have giant robots fighting each other? Am I right? I'd take the rock over vertigo any day, robot. Well, Denny, I can't argue with you there. I mean, sure, Vertigo is a cinematic masterpiece that explores the depths of the human psyche and the complexities of love and obsession. But The Rock has Nicolas Cage doing that thing where he talks in a weird voice and raises his eyebrows a lot. So really, it's a toss-up. That's perfect. <laughs> All right, so what's your impression, Brent? I mean, clearly the voice isn't great. Yeah, some of the, like, grammar is a little off, but... It, in some parts, it was hilarious. Like, it's starting to burn the other co-hosts. Yeah, he's burning his co-hosts <laughs> and throwing them crap. And then, oh, yeah. like, the Danny. Danny. Hey. Danny. Hey. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> You're entitled to your bad opinion. <laughs> Imagine if that voice was a little better, right? A little more natural. Well, we're getting there. I want to present, this is a bit of a tech demo, but it's called the Hacker News Recap Podcast. This is completely automatically generated by the top stories on Hacker News. The feed goes into an application, and everything is generated artificially. Nothing is created by humans, and I'll play a little sample of the beginning of the podcast. You can see what that's like with a superior voice. Welcome to the Hacker News Recap, where we bring you an exclusive overview of the top 10 posts on Hacker News every day. Today, we'll dive into the unexpected breakthrough of open source alternatives to ChatGPT, the pursuit of enhancing machine learning foundation models by increasing sequence length, and the beleaguered accounting giant EY facing setbacks. The timestamps of all topics can be found in the description, so feel free to skip ahead to the posts you're interested in. In a captivating turn of events, the sequence discusses an unexpected breakthrough and a leaked release that have led to a series of remarkable open source alternatives to ChatGPT. The friction between open source and API-based distribution has been a significant challenge in the generative AI ecosystem. Big players like GPT. There's something meta about an AI reading a story about AI. 
isn't there? That's where we're at now. Now, that's a little bit more impressive, isn't it? You know, it reminded me of like Sarah Koenig style, the serial podcast of like the, you know, slow introduction with the music and like working you into a, the story and then the meat starts to hit you at a certain point. And uh, yeah, but I got to tell you, like, I I didn't really understand anything that it said. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I, stick. I found that I, I wasn't getting grabbed by the audio, maybe because yeah. the the style it was presented didn't match the content, but, but it was really believable. Like I'm super impressed. You can check out if you want to try building one podcast.wondercraft.ai where we bring your words to life. They write turn blog posts, articles, or any written content into engaging studio quality podcasts in three minutes. Boy, the crappy podcasters out there are so screwed. So here is the same tech that that, that we just heard that uses for the hacker news. Here's the same tech. I used it to create a podcast, mm. like kind of like a tease for like the first for the first like file that you might put in the RSS feed. So this is generated this morning and it's a new show. And I'm really kind of excited about it because I think it works pretty well. I mean, I'll ask for your opinion at the end of the clip, but this could be a great way for me to scale into a whole new genre of podcasts that I've been wanting to cover, but just haven't had the time. Welcome to the Daily Brent Review. Join Brent Gervais as he takes you through his daily activities, even the ones he doesn't want you to know about. Stay up to date on all of Brent's adventures by subscribing to the podcast today. In today's episode, we'll cover the gross thing Brent did in Alex's guest bathroom and the age of the leftovers he had for breakfast and lunch. So we've got some juicy gossip to dish out today. Apparently, there was some gross behavior that went down in Alex's guest bathroom, (laughs) and Brent is at the center of it all. And hold on tight, because it gets even worse. We're talking breakfast and lunch leftovers that Brent had. But the real question is, how old were they exactly? Time to investigate and get to the bottom of this disgusting situation. Don't miss out on the inside scoop of Brent Gervais's daily activities, especially the gross stuff. Subscribe to the Daily Brent Review podcast today. So all I have to supply it is the name of a podcast. What is the podcast about? And that's optional. And the main points of the episode. And then after you do that, you give it um, a few minutes. It's got a couple of templates for you to look at. You approve some of the music and you hit generate. And that's it. It takes about two minutes. It was really good. <laughs> Isn't that something? Isn't that something? I mean, it had a, a deviant Chris kind of spin to it, but I think you're onto something. I don't know what you're talking about. I think that just made it more interesting. <laughs> Kept your attention better, didn't How it? How old were those leftovers? <laughs> I mean, I don't know, like, where this is really going. I don't want to, like, you know, proclaim that all podcasts are screwed, but I, I look at this and I go, how far off would this be until I could have this generate Linux action news? Then why do I even need to do it? I mean, there's obviously the analysis, right? That's the key part. But if this thing could take your insights, whew, I don't know if I like that or not. Well, and think about it. Like some people don't want to be out in public with their voice or their face or mm. whatever. Right. And so, but they're intelligent people who have probably some opinions. And so, you know, everybody has a podcast. Well, now I really, everybody can have a podcast and sound great too. Like we could have like a, a, a Jupiter broadcasting breaking news feed 
that uh, isn't like our main podcast, but it's like the feed that immediately covers a story because we have a pipeline that when we tag a story for covering, it just automatically generates a podcast around it or something. Like, it's just... I don't know. And then you could have people that play clips of the AI generated readers. So that way they're not the only ones in the podcast. And then like that podcast we started with the film review podcast. Mm. If the voices were that good in real time one day, you could almost have somebody that just acts like a digital co-host that is a wealth of knowledge. Assuming we could operate in a world where they actually could draw upon correct facts. It would be really awesome to be able to just say X, Y, Z and the AI that could speak like a regular co-host and not sound atrocious. I could chime in. It would be really interesting, especially I think in the tech world, because, you know, we do a ton of research to try to get facts and stuff. Right. But imagine you had someone as a co-host who was just a depth of knowledge with it, you know, right at your fingertips. Well, not even your fingertips. You just have to talk to them. Um, I think there's something there. They just have to be able to keep your attention. Yeah. You know, and sound intelligible. I think the second examples were totally spot on in terms of like easy to listen to. That first example with the Hitchcock loving uh, robot wasn't wasn't really so good, but uh, but the content was there. So, so yeah. I, geez, give it another couple months, and <laughs> yeah, it's like if you want real time interaction, the voice quality goes down. If you have time to render it out, you can do higher quality voice models and whatnot. And they probably have a purpose built capture system. I'm sure they have something built just for what they're doing. Mm. Does make me think if we've come this far in six months we're going to be at a point when another six months where you almost if it continues at the current trajectory maybe it doesn't maybe it levels off for a bit but we're going to be very close to being able to be able to indistinguish it like if it could punch it up a little bit if that was punched up a little bit you take some of the gaps out it'd be there it's fascinating does this mean we might get like better quality ads finally well i wonder how i wonder how this screws up ads right because do now brands just want to generate their own reads? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. And then it's just like radio. Because they can have full control over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Fascinating. Yeah. And also, if you can have podcasts that are just generated by machines, so there's very little person overhead, at those podcasts, if they had advertising on it, you'd think would sell for really cheap. So if they, that would seem like it would put downward pressure on the price. Because you're going to have a lot of cheap inventory of AI generated podcasts. I hope we get like some meta podcasts that catch all the times these AI podcasts really screwed up, like embarrassed the brand or something like that. And they're just a bunch of snippets of like AI does it again. I don't see how advertising gets better for podcasters with this capability. Um, Because I think like the one I just played for you is close enough for advertisers to start to roll with it for some podcasts. I had the most bizarre dynamic ad experience because I don't generally listen to podcasts that have dynamic ads, but I was checking out a new podcast and they had a dynamic insertion that was like the antithesis of their brand. Like this whole podcast was about like decentralized off-grid stuff, right? And this brand was all about like centralized, like we'll take all your stuff. It was like this real, I was like, what? And I thought, and it was such, it was so poorly done. I thought it was a parody because it was so inappropriate for this podcast and the quality was so bad and it was at the very start of the show. So it was extremely like just boom, what what was going on? It took me honestly longer than it should have to realize that it was a really crappy ad. 
And then like 60 seconds later, the podcast started and it sounded completely different. And it was, I was shocked and I can't imagine that's going to get any better with this. And so you could see where, again, the value for value model is going to reward the best content and the best creators. It's going to reward the human creators, obviously. Again, it feels like as these things begin to shift, the value for value model is the model that holds up to all these different challenges for content creation. We'll see. We'll see where the rest of it all goes. But I want to talk about value for value and where JB wants to take it over the rest of this year, kind of where I want to advance it in the more near term as well. So first, I want to send a little value over to Linode. They have been a fantastic supporter of the Jupiter Broadcasting Network, and they support our shows because you guys love their services. So when you try it, you love it. And a great way to support the whole network and office hours is by going to linode.com slash Jupiter. That will get you $100 in 60-day credit on a new account, and it lets you really kick the tires and see what Linode is capable of. And the reason why they're giving you $100 is because they think you really will like it if you get a chance to try it. It's not a like a trick. It's like, give them the keys, let them take it for a test drive over the weekend kind of a thing, or longer, you know, 60 days, I suppose. <laughs> and Linode's what we use for everything we deploy to the public since we've gone independent. When it came time to build our new website, heck yeah. When it comes time to set up a PeerTube live stream that we're going to see it all over the world, it's Linode. We're using Linode's S3 object storage on the back end. So like our videos don't just fill up the hard drive on the local machine. They're actually just saved to S3 object storage. So that way we don't have to worry about running out of disk space in the middle of a live stream. Same thing for our next cloud. One of the things we learned is when we're in the middle of a project, we don't want to run out of disk space. We can take care of that but we don't want to, in the middle of a project, that's not the moment. And so we have Nextcloud that runs on Linode. Our entire team uses that to organize our recording files before and after production. And all of that is using Linode's S3 compatible object storage on the back end. They got cloud firewalls that prevent the crap that you don't even want touching your machine to ever get there because they block it at their network level. 40 gigabit connections come into them, hypervisors, NVMe storage for soups, fast, disk, and much, much more. For a blog, a personal site, a portfolio, a resume, maybe your own Nextcloud instance, or for the backend infrastructure for your e-commerce site, Linode can handle it. We've got a rig up there that has 96 cores and like 48 gigs of RAM that's managing like a 5,000-person matrix community. It's incredible. Try it out. Support the show. Linode.com slash Jupiter. And thank you, Linode, for sponsoring all the shows on the Jupiter Broadcasting Network. So. Let's let's set the scene. A way to think about value for value. I want to. Um, this is me running it past you in the audience. I'd like to get feedback from everybody on this way of thinking about it. But value for value is kind of like you could describe it as a trade of goods or services or ideas between individuals who share mutual respect and benefit from this exchange of good services values. The idea is to create value by offering something of value to others in exchange for something else, maybe time, talent, or treasure. So I think if you break this down, the idea promotes the importance of treating others with respect and recognizing their contributions, their value, and encouraging individuals to pursue their own self-interest in a productive and responsible manner to build a more prosperous and productive community. And I don't, I, I, I don't have the words for it, but I have a sense we've, we're seeing it in multiple ways in our community since we started talking about this. And I think you've probably experienced a lot of it, having done a string of meetups, staying at a listener's uh, home while you traveled. Do you, 
do you like this framing? Could I say it differently? And have you felt a change in the community since we've been talking about this more? Yeah, I think maybe the change that I've seen is we now have a common language to talk about the kind of exchange of talent or offering, you know, one's home for for a JB host uh, for, a, for a week. That was incredible. It keeps coming down to like, hey, this is a way I can help. And, and JB has kind of come up with a framework in the last year, year and a half of how to talk about that in a way that's really easy and not awkward. I found before we introduced this kind of idea of value for value, it was a bit more like unsure how to start that conversation of like, hey, I have a thing that I want to contribute and how do I do that? Where do I do that? In what way? When is it appropriate? So I found that has been a big shift. Now it's like, hey, I got a thing. I'd like to help. There's various avenues, you know, with the website or with boosting is a way to do it or just offering some help when we're in a town that we're not familiar with. So I found the conversation has been much easier to be had in the last year or so. Yeah, there's a shared language now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is, a that is, I think, probably the key. Um, is that is that shared language and the way to think about it too? And I think maybe as I've gotten older or as time has gone on, I don't know, but I I become more appreciative of small businesses that are focused on creating a product and they put a lot of care into it. Like so, you know, a mechanic shop that is an extremely good mechanic shop, or uh, in this case, a podcast shop that is focused on a set of podcasts, and we just do our all we're focused on is just making the best podcast possible. And I think when people recognize that, you want to support that. And I think it draws a certain type of community together, too. And I think that's just been getting stronger as a result of us talking about this more. So I've been thinking about where to take it next, besides, uh, like, kind of other more obvious ideas that I can get to in a moment. But I was listening to Cole McCormick. I, I met him during the webinar that we did for Value for Value, which we'll put a link to that in the show notes. That webinar is out now. How did that go? Well... I think better than I expected. Nice. I think it's it's a it's a webinar that's worth watching. Nick from Fountain covered a lot of interesting details from their side, and uh, I shared a couple uh, bits of you know my perspective and answered a few questions. And kind of the warm up, some podcasters joined, and we were just sort of you know free flow and, and chatting and whatnot. And uh, Cole McCormick from the America Plus podcast joined, and I could immediately tell that Cole was a strong personality. You know, like you can, you just, you know, you just recognize when somebody's like, oh, that guy's going to be good on air. I can tell immediately that guy, like I met Brent and I was like, oh yeah, that guy's going to be great on air. Same with Wes, <laughs> not to toot my own horn, but like you just get a sense for people that are going to be great on air. And Cole is definitely great on air and he's got his own podcast. He just actually did a really vulnerable episode where he's, he's going through some tough times and he talks about that. But one of the things he and I chatted about in that pre-webinar, you know, time was he's flipping subscriptions around. So he wants to subscribe to his audience. Um, and he's coming up with ways to give sats back to his listeners so they can stack sats by listening. And they don't just have to use Fountain, like through the community directly. He calls them sat slinger episodes, I think, or it was a term that we, we were discussing. And kind of like the idea is, is like once a month, there's on the live stream at the end of an episode or at the beginning of an episode, there's like some sat giveaways and we just kind of take a percentage that we have brought in on the JB node. And we give that back to some people that are listening live or, 
people that have written in maybe like, I don't, I'm not sure what the mechanism is, is how people get qualified, but I'm open to ideas there. In fact, that's sort of like the piece I'm missing. Uh, Jeff had one actually. Jeff came in with a row of ducks uh, last week. And I thought, let's move this up into this part of the discussion because it's uh, it's actually been very relevant to this conversation. So Jeff came in with a row of ducks and said, I, I wonder if the web devs, the great web devs, who work on jupiterbroadcasting.com would be willing to set up Albi wallets and maybe link their addresses in their GitHub somewhere or on the website. Maybe they could be on the splits when they come on the show. It would be great to be able to send a little love to the people doing the heavy lifting in the background. So I'd love this idea. So yes, I think I haven't wanted to be pushy about it, but I do think people that are actively involved in the JB community doing things should probably set up Albi wallets. And if they have profiles online, they should link to them. And Albi makes it pretty easy to do that. Um, get Albi.com. The splits part is the thing I, I keyed in on there. And that's the part I really want to do is if someone comes on the show, that's working on something with JB, they're in the splits for that episode. And I think that is a no brainer. Like Jeff would have been there a couple of times when he was here in town. And the thing is, it's, that that's the part that requires us generating our own RSS feeds. That's one of many, including transcripts and a few other like things like live streaming. Those are one of many things that requires that we begin generating our own RSS feed, because right now we only have the ability to do splits at the entire episode or at the entire show level. So per feed. So for like all of office hours and all of Coda radio, et cetera, et cetera. And when you can generate the individual episode posts yourself, and you don't have to go through the podcast index proxy. Proxy is the term I'm using because the, the value split gets added at the podcast index level. So our RSS feeds come from Fireside. Those are submitted to the podcast index. When you use a podcasting 2.0 app or you go to the podcast index, at that point, they're adding the value block through an interface that they give me. That value block doesn't let me set per episode splits. If we were generating that value block in our feed, which we should be because our feed should be the source of truth. So if our feed at Fireside, say like if Dan had gotten off his butt and put value splits in the UI of Fireside, we could do it at that point. Then anywhere that feed touches would have those episode splits like the podcast index or anywhere else. So we are working on that, but we're taking our time because we want to do it right. And there's other things, life going on and whatnot. Uh, but we will get there. We just don't move super fast at some of this stuff. But ideally, that'll be a great way. And that, I think, would really be great for office hours in particular, but Linux Unplugged. I could also see people who give us great boosts and feedback. We could also put them in the splits, potentially. You don't want to go crazy with the splits because it splits. Every split has a fee. Every split has multiple HTTP requests and has more traffic overhead and adds the possibility of something not working because you have multiple nodes, you know, instead of one or two nodes, you have like four or five, six nodes in there that if one of them's offline, you're going to generate an error message. So there's some downsides to oversplitting, but I think the community is going to figure that out too. I think we're actually already kind of thinking about it, but um, it's a great idea, Jeff. Mere Mortals podcast also came in with a row of ducks to echo what Jeff said. Uh, he said, I'd like to do something similar, but for all the app developers who allow all this boosting to happen, a nice handy list somewhere would make this way easier. Yeah. So one of the things we do, Mere Mortals, is we do put Podverse and Fountain in the splits and the podcast index, but we ideally would put a whole lot more in there. Just like I said, it creates problems. I really hope that more open source developers get on board with Albi. Albi itself is open source. 
And uh, they will then, you know, hopefully start getting some of them sweet, sweet sats as a thank you. I think where I see us going with this is some way where we're more actively sending sats back to the community as well, because there is value when you watch and you participate. There's value in that for us. Like it makes the shows more enjoyable for us. It creates title suggestions for us. It makes a more enjoyable experience for other people watching live. Just still chewing on some of those ideas, but I feel like this is the year to get them worked out, right? This is first year was like, honestly, are we sticking with this, right? That was the first year. Now, the second year is, is how do we make it great? Wes is working on some really great tooling, too, that could automate some of this and help us create leaderboards and things like that one day. Leaderboards. That sounds exciting. I, you know, I couldn't help but thinking while you were describing this concept that, uh, that Jeff, listener Jeff, suggested that we've seen examples of this in the last several weeks of when a community member has wanted to sort of say thanks to another community member for the efforts. Like there was that boost in Linux Unplugged last week, I believe, where they were thanking CG Bass Player for like some mentorship with the website stuff and having a direct way to like do a value for value between community members seems like an awesome concept. And we have some long-term community members who've been with us for years doing like amazing like minimac you're here all the time sorting out the mumble room and stuff like that and uh it would be awesome for community members to just directly say thanks to some of these folks who help us with the whole network yep those that want of course there's other ways too it doesn't have to be sats. sure we could always have people that maybe that didn't want to receive sats but if that person could then maybe let us know and we could give them recognition on office hours or something some way to say thank you on air i mean there's lots of ways to do it I'm I'm not dead set on any particular idea, but I wanted to open it up because like Jeff and Mere Mortals really got me thinking about it. And I think this is an area that we could have a dialogue over and then kind of refine this idea and then get it sorted here on office hours and then kind of elegantly and slowly roll it out across the shows. If I had a dream, I don't know if it's possible, but my dream would be by the end of the year, we're doing kind of like an award show for the top boosters and messages and the boosties. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so let's get into them there, Boo, speaking of that, eh, you know? Ask not what your podcast can boost for you, but what you can boost for your podcast. Uh, something like that. MRLC comes in with 2,059 sats. Here's my sats for lis listening and trying out Fountain for three months. The app's too buggy for me. It randomly does not automatically download episodes, even though you can see them in the show feeds. I'm going to go try out Podverse with Albie and MoonPay. Thank you. Thank you for, you know, I know I, I, I have, I have found fountain to be both fountain and podverse are very strong for me on iOS. Great apps on iOS and on Android. I have some more speed bumps and performance issues on both of them. I'm still kind of switching between podverse and fountain quite a bit. And it took me a bit honestly, because I would consider myself a power podcast listener, especially on road trips. So it took me a little bit to transition over, but I have been sticking with it, but it doesn't, I don't think it works for everybody. So uh, I do think Albie's the way to go regardless, because even if Podverse doesn't work out, which I hope it does, it's a great app. You could just use it with the podcast index website directly or the Podverse web player on our website directly to boost in. So yeah, Albie will be useful. Also, I believe when the other apps kind of come around and start adding boost support, uh, many of them will choose to just integrate with Albi because Albi gives them a lot of infrastructure 
and it gives a lot of users the option to self-custodial their 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 information, including even using their own node if they want. So their nodes processing the transactions to just doing something where Albi hosts everything and makes it dead easy. I, that's a compelling product and um, a good team behind it. I mentioned it before on air, but I had a great call. I was very skeptical of anything that has a button in my web browser toolbar. You don't have to use it that way, but that's the default way. I got on a call with the co-founders. And afterwards, my concerns were alleviated. I felt much better about it. Hal was right. Comes in with 2,100 sats, boosting on Podverse now. Yeah, there's some bugs and missing features, especially around offline usage. But Podverse is the best podcasting 2.0 app for me so far. That's great. I'm a fan. You know, it's GPL. So that puts it high in my book because what I've learned over the years is the GPL stuff eventually will get there organically but you'll get rugged with the other stuff <laughs> you know so like i kind of feel like investing now because in five years like it's going to be probably in a great spot it just takes a long time to build a really feature complete app and not only do you have to do all the stuff podcasting apps do that people expect but then all the podcasting to do stuff as well which some of that stuff is brand new gene bean came in with 2048 sats you mentioned that some other podcasters have been looking at forking the JB website. Any progress on the idea of patching it all up and, um, you know, making it like a reusable thing? Brent, what do you think? I think that would take somebody from the community wanting to, like, particularly focus on that task because that is in its own task, separate from everything else we're trying to do with the website, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I think we tried to engineer it somewhat with that in mind, but that certainly wasn't the first driver of how things were orchestrated and it's it's certainly possible i mean it's a hugo site at the end of the day yeah exactly so it's fairly easy to sort of strip jb stuff and replace it but it's not done that way by default at this point mostly because that doesn't directly serve us and hasn't been the main thrust of the project but it's certainly possible so if someone wants to come in and like reorchestrate things we're totally open to that i think one thing we should probably do is choose a an appropriate open source license right now we're just kind of winging it i think that's probably an important thing we should choose before anybody does that kind of work should be we'd be good to get input on that i think yeah and we don't want to break production because now it's something that we have in production and we also in the back end could be making some significant changes one day i would when we have at whatever point we have all of the podcasting 2.0 feeds done and we're generating our own feeds at that point, the website should be getting generated from the RSS feed and not by scraping Fireside or whatever it might, you know, to put it lightly. And that would significantly change how we render. And I think it actually would be more universally applicable because it would remove the dependency on a particular hosting platform and would instead just look at an RSS file as the source of truth. That would probably make it a more portable project at that point, too. Yeah. So I think if someone was going to take what we have currently, they'd have to do quite a bit of work to just make it a clean slate. But it's certainly possible. And it's not a gargantuan amount of work by any means. Gene Bean uh, continues. Uh, Keep up the great work, Drew. Your skills are top notch. Agree on that. And then wraps it up with another row of ducks. Just because I can't let my geekiness go, he writes, maybe a willow tree with a stream could be the logo for the seed pier. Did we come up with a name? Was it Seed Pier? Oh, we liked Seed Pier because it made it obvious. Yeah, I think we threw a few things out there yeah, and uh, then yeah. promptly forgot about it all. Yep. Uh, a willow tree with a stream. Well, somebody needs to uh, generate that up. 
I've been, I mean, I'm pretty good with the old uh, stable diffuse, but I bet there's uh, somebody out there that's even better than me, no doubt about. Come on, okay, so here's what we need: a willow tree with a stream, something, maybe even something blowing in the wind, something that implies seeding, right? That could be the logo. I bet, I bet, I bet somebody could stable diffuse or mind reality or whatever it's called. Mix it up. <clears throat> Wooden five hundred one comes in with five thousand and one sets. The Boosties. It sounds like an end-of-year award show for the best boost of the year across Jupiter Broadcasting. It, it I mean, it writes yeah, itself. I know. It's easy. <laughs> it writes itself. It's really great. Speaking of boosts, we have two boosts, one live, one that came in ahead of time. Uh, Blue Moonjo came in with, uh, ooh, BB, 250 sets. And I put this in here because I realize this is part of, part of my problem that I'm having with uh, Graphene OS. I mean, Uh-oh. I'm sorry, Graphene. Oh, wait, we're not supposed to do that in the show. Uh, he writes, on the notifications front, the Pixel phones have something called digital well-being in settings to reduce notifications for our work profiles, schedules, and different focus modes. Does Graphene OS not have these options? I don't think it does. Oh, no. And I've never used that crap, you know, in Android. Like, I remember when both Apple and Google rolled that out, I rolled my eyes. Oh, this is just them appeasing shareholders. Turns out I probably should have learned to use it. And then, yeah, I don't think it is in Graphene OS, which is absolutely part of my problem. I would love to be able to turn off certain notifications at certain times. And we had a live boost during the show from Wood Carver. It's our baller boost, too. Hey, 20,500 sets. Uh, hello there. This is the live notification coming along a podcast. How is the live notification coming along a podcasting 2.0? Right now, I get notifications from Twitch. Isn't there another way? Cheers. Ah, uh, yes. So the lit tag stuff, we experimented with that on the Jupiter test signal. And that also is part of generating our own feeds. One of the trickier parts, actually, because we don't want to manually create a file every time we are about to go live, go live, and end. You were doing it manually, and it uh, quickly became problematic for you, didn't it? Yeah. And it's fine. The way the system works is you kind of announce your intent to go live. So that's an RSS file update, new XML file. Then when you go live, you announce you're live. That's a new XML file. And it's neat, right? Because then Podping sends out the message to the podcast clients. Hey, there's an upcoming show. So if they want, they can display that like uh, Podverse does on the website. It'll display upcoming live shows. And then it sends out another Podping when it goes live. So if you want to get a notification that an, an episode of JB is live, you get the notification, you tap it, it opens up your podcast player, and you stream the show right there in your podcast app. Then when we're done with the live stream, I do another XML file upload, another RSS feed update that says we're all done. And then when the show's published, we do another RSS file and XML file upload. So it's like four changes to the RSS feed for every time we do a live stream and publish, which is fine, but I just don't want to do that manually. And we want to just generate all of that and so internally, we're looking at how do we know when we're actually live? How do we know when we got a good live stream and we should actually send out the, the bat signal, if you will, or the notification, the pod ping that we're at and update the XML file? And how do we want to do that? And is PeerTube going to be part of that process? Maybe like the API on PeerTube is going to expose when we're live. Then we update the feed automatically. We're looking at all of that woodcarver. But um, when we do have that figured out, we will generate the new file. And your experience will just be a notification comes in on Podverse, hopefully Fountain soon. And then you tap that and you begin listening to the stream. Or you're, if you're just looking at your library of podcasts, say you don't want the notification, 
you're just looking at your library of podcasts. And if you happen to be looking when we're live, there'll just be a live badge next to our episode. It'll look like a regular episode, but it'll have a cool live badge. You tap that and you just tune into our stream. And um, so I'll just use an open standards on the background, in the background. So we'll get there. You know, for us, Chris, I'm going to be curious how that works for problem solving. I know we've, you know, some of these new technologies, we've had a few issues here and there. So I'm curious mm-hmm. to see once we automate it, what are our recourses, you know, if we need to <laughs> republish a stream or like, you know, peer tube needs yep. to be reset or something like that. We got to keep that in mind when we're, when we're setting all this up. Yep. That is definitely one of the things we're considering. Like this morning we had an issue where peer tube just didn't accept the stream. That happens, you know, once every four or five streams, kind of seemingly randomly at this point, we start streaming and PeerTube acts like it never saw the request to connect. And uh, if we shared that URL, we're kind of screwed because I have to delete that post, recreate a new post, generate a new feed key, and restream. And it creates a whole new URL to share and all that kind of stuff. If you had sent out a pod ping, and told everybody to go, you know, go listen or watch over here. And then I had to do that because randomly PeerTube didn't accept the stream. It would it would be a bad experience. So yeah, we're we're thinking about that too because it happened just today for office hours. So it, it does happen occasionally. There's processes to figure it out. There's a lot of ways we can do it. There's that's part of the problem is we just kind of have to try each one of them, and that just takes time. I have another question for you, Chris. That uh, kind of came up while we were reading the boosts. How do we know, or do we even care that particular boosters are actual listeners and not just some kind of fancy AI listeners that are just boosted in whatever they want. For instance, this, the wooden 501, uh, it sounds like, I don't know. I'm starting to question things. The boosties (laughs) sounds like an end of the year award show for the best boost of the year across all of Jupiter broadcasting. That could be generated. I don't know. Do we care? Well, if it is, it's a long con because wooden is boosted in multiple times. (laughs) So it, it, I think, actually is an interesting question, but it is going to be a very limited problem if it is a problem because there is a cost to boost. A boost is not free. Yeah. And so you have to actually spend the sats to send the message in. So you can, that's not going to scale very far, is it? Because that's going to get too expensive pretty darn fast. It's not, not like email where it can be essentially free to spam or Twitter. There is an actual cost. Um. A website, I mentioned this from time to time just because I think it's actually a really great implementation. A website where uh, this is, I think, implemented and working is Stacker News. I've talked about this before. Stacker News replaces upvotes with sats. So you just hit a lightning bolt as an upvote and it sends one sat. And if you see a comment you like, you hit the like button, but you're sending them one sat. And just even costing one sat I have never, and I've been following this site for a year. I've never seen spam on this website. Wow. I've never seen a spam website post or anything like that. And it's so obvious, the stuff that's clear signal, because the best stuff gets like this. This post has 6,000. The guy that wrote the aftermath at aftermath earned 6,327 sats for his top post. That's not nothing. Like that's 1,600 sats. No. 1,600 people saying, yep. People stack sats on this website. It is a legitimate thing people do. Um, I see people that brag about like, you know, posting and whatnot. Like I've, I've made, uh, I don't know, something like 10,000 sats. I just posted a few things and people upvoted it. This guy did a, this guy did a trip to El Salvador and did an honest live report and got 28,000 
sats for it. That's, you know, that's nice. And and it's one or two sats at a time. You could I think you could actually hit the button multiple times if you want, but it costs you. The sats have to come from somewhere. They're a scarce item. So I think you can't really manipulate it too far when there is a slight cost to the transaction, which is really, I think, where proof of work came from and all of that. But uh, speaking of El Salvador, should I, is it too soon? Ooh, no, it's never too soon or something like that. I would love to hear from anybody who has any connections, relationship, or is in El Salvador, specifically San Salvador, because um, I may be in the area. I don't want to say too much. I don't know who's listening, but I may be in the area. Uh, and I'd love to reach out and meet people, maybe do a little get together down there. It's going to be a little bit, but maybe towards the end of the year um, when the dry season arrives, perhaps when the rain stops. And um, I, yeah, I would love to make a connection to people down there and start building out a little network down there. So El Salvador could be coming up. And now Brent's just got to figure out how he can get himself on, in on the ride, too. <laughs> Come I mean, on, Brent. We once can there's it out. an invitation. Boost for El Salvador, everybody. <laughs> right? Let's get enough sats so we can buy Brent a plane ticket. <laughs> Let's boost Brent to El Salvador. I'd take a boat, too, if we needed to. Oh, boy. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. Oh, man. Especially if we could leave from Seattle. It'd be a long Ooh. ride. but Yeah, but it'd be, like, quite the experience. Imagine everything we can get done. Yeah. Especially if they had Starlink on that boat. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that wraps us up. This is an episode where we're kind of putting a flag in the ground, and we're looking for your feedback on the next steps for JB and Value for Value how we can contribute back to our community more and build that out and get people thinking and talking about that more. Let us know what you think. Of course, you can always go to officehours.hair to get uh, episode links. There's a contact page there. And boost it. You can always get Albie and then go to the podcast index like we talked about or try a new podcast app at newpodcastapps.com. You can earn sats while you listen with Fountain. That's pretty great. Podverse, the GPL app of love and cross-platformness. Also very great. And um, yeah, I think we'll have, I feel like I have more to share in the future about podcast apps, but they're not public yet with their information, but I hopefully will have the big announcement. Maybe, maybe in a couple of office hours, if we're still doing the damn show, I'm not sure what's going to happen first. The big announcement uh, that some other person's making that I happen to know about, or I kill this show. Probably me killing the show. We'll see. Probably depends on how the ad sales go. And the booze, gotta be honest with you. All right stuff to do. Time to get out of here. See you next time.